This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. All right, well, it's good to be back with you again. As I was thinking about it this week. We had started a new series of lessons on the moving of the Spirit in the Bible. Uh, I wanted just to bring you back to a little bit of reminder of what we talked about in our first lesson, and that was we're going through the Bible and getting different areas as we go through there where we talk about that third person of the Trinity. Mostly in the Old Testament, you'll see it as the, the Spirit of God. <coughs> um, but you'll see it in different areas where it's called uh, the uh, Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. However you want to say it, it's all that third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we ran across it in Genesis, right there at the beginning of the Word of God, and we talked about how the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We see it already uh, coming into uh, the picture there where we see the, the Spirit of God. Now, in that particular reference, it was reference to the Holy Spirit being the wind. So what we'll find as we talk about the Spirit of God, it does seem to take on different areas that we can categorize it as. And there we saw the wind of God. We talked about the breath of life that was breathed into man and uh, different things that we talked about uh, the wind, the wind in, in connection with the Holy Spirit. The, blend, the wind bloweth where it listeth. It moveth where we don't know where it comes from. We don't know how far it's going. We don't know what it's going to do. We, see the, we can't see the wind. We can see the things because of the wind. But it's, we reference that to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit moves wherever it needs to move. It it moves in different people, different lives, different situations, different services. I mean, you just never know what the Spirit of God's going to do. That's the, the wonderful thing about coming to the Lord's house. I come in thinking, well, I wonder what the Spirit of God's going to do today. You know, he's, he's walking up and down these pews. He's on the platform. He's, he's using different people in different areas all throughout uh, the church campus here. So you're just amazed at what can happen when the Holy Spirit is moving. And, and so it, it is reference to that. We also uh, talked about how the wind is uh, in reference to the Holy Spirit, and especially in the way that natural man doesn't receive the things of God. They don't understand those things of God. You that are saved realize how, the, how important the Holy Spirit is it helps you as you read the Word of God, as you listen to Him, as you're guided by Him. And we depend upon the Holy Spirit as, as we should. And so uh, we talked about those things. And then we even went over into the New Testament to that uh, uh, important uh, area of Acts chapter 2. And we love what it said there, that there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And so it wasn't necessarily something that blew the windows open and the doors open, but it was that sound 
of a wind. You've heard the, the wind making the howling sound as it blows different areas uh, around us. And so this, this wind came in. What, what happened? And I don't want, I want you to always remember when we reference the Holy Spirit here, the moving of the Holy Spirit, something great always happens. Something different happens. Something uh, miraculous happens. And even something strange to us sometimes happens. Here in Acts chapter 2, when that rushing mighty wind came in, that God sent His Spirit there, it says and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And so what began to happen? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, all these different men that were in that area heard their own language. It wasn't gibberish. It was something they understood. Oh, listen, that's speaking in the language that I know. How is that happening? So something was, was given to them so that they could go out from that point and begin to uh, lead others to Christ and gave them boldness to go and be that witness. So that's, the, uh, that's the, what we came across in the first part of that. Let's uh, go ahead and look at Judges chapter 14. And I know we have a lot of scriptures we want to try to get through today, and I'm not going to tarry in this chapter very long, but uh, we'll spend a little bit more time in the next chapter 15. And we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Upon who? Samson. You know Samson in the Bible. He's an interesting character. Samson, as I studied the Word of God, it was, I don't see an, a place in there that says, like, like other places, like David, didn't say, God didn't say Samson was a man after my own heart. Didn't say Samson was a, was a man that followed God completely. You know, he, he's not that type of individual. He done some strange things. He done some things that I don't understand how, why he did them. But nevertheless, I found this. God still worked through him. God's Spirit came upon him. God used him. And we got to remember that, that God will use people to do things. Maybe we don't agree with that. We don't agree with how, how he does it, who he's using to do it, but he will do those things. And we just need to sit back and realize that it's God doing the, the work there. So, Let's, give a, let's get a quick uh, background to Samson, what's going on here. And it will also have a few scriptures here that I, that I want to, you to see as well. Samson went down to Timoth and saw a woman in Timonath of the daughters of the Philistines. So we got Samson, we got the Philistines. Now you always know when we see Philistines, they've always been the enemy of Israel. They've always been a problem. They've always been a situation with them that they got to deal, that you deal with. And remember this, God is going to look out for His people. So whoever's coming against His people, God's going to, look, going to work in that situation. In verse 2, He came up and told His father and His mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timonath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. So that's not popular. That's not going to be a popular thing for them anyway. So we've we've met. We're seeing his father, his mother, and we're seeing that he's trying to persuade them 
that he's found a woman of the Philistines that he wants to be his wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. So he just brushed that off. He said, I don't, I don't care really what you think. That's what the, this is the woman I want. But his father and mother knew not that it was of the Lord. You see that? They didn't have no idea what God's doing behind the scenes. And we don't either many times. We can't judge people and criticize people because we think they're not doing or saying the right thing necessarily. And who knows what God's doing? Who knows how the Holy Spirit's working? And uh, the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at the time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timonath, and came to the vineyards of Timonath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. Look at verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. All of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson mightily. What's going to happen? A lion has roared up against him in the way. And because the Spirit of the Lord is mightily upon him, what great thing is going to take place? He rent him as he would rent a kid, as he would take a young kid goat and rip in half. He ripped that lion in half. He just tore him to pieces. And remember, that this is not, you know, we think of Samson. I'm sure Samson was a big man. I'm sure he was a strong man in his own right. But nevertheless, he couldn't have done what the things he did in these chapters unless something had helped him, and that something is the Spirit of the Lord. He went down in verse 7. Well, let's finish verse 6. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. He went down and talketh with the woman, and she pleased Samson well, and after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see that same carcass that was left over from the lion that he tore into pieces. And what had happened in that carcass? There was a swarm of bees and honey inside of the carcass of the lion. Strange, isn't it? He took thereof of his hands and went on eating, came to his father and mother and gave them, and they did eat, but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. I don't blame him for not telling them. I wouldn't have ate it if they had told me about that. You ever had somebody give you something and tell you, this is good, you need to eat it, and they didn't tell you anything about it, and you ate it, and thought, oh, that is pretty good. What was that? Well, that was deer meat. You know, a lot of people don't like deer meat. That was deer meat. Oh, man, I don't want no more of that. Well, you like, said it was good. <laughs> but he didn't tell them about it. Came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. No, that's important to remember because they come into the scene later on. Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you if you can declare certainly declare it me within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 chains of garments. So he was going to have about seven days of a wedding feast there. 
He gives them this, this riddle. But if you cannot declare it me, then ye shall give me thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. I wonder if you had known the story before this, would you be able to solve that riddle? I don't think I would either. came to pass on the verse 15, on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may declare unto us the riddle. Least we burn, look there, least we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have you called us to take that we have? It is not so. So these, these 30 are saying, let's see if we can get you to help us talk to Samson and find, figure out this riddle so we'll be able to figure out if you don't do that, we'll go down there and burn your father. We're going to burn your father in your mother's house. Verse 16, Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou doest but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it, my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? She wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. So she kept on and on, weeping, crying, because he wouldn't tell her, and he gave in on the seventh day. The men of the city said unto him on the seventh day, before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, if ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye have not found out my riddle. In other words, he thinks they found out it because they were out plowing, they saw the lion carcass, saw the honey in there, but they didn't find out that way. And here we are again at verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them, took their spoil, gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle, and his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. Samson is being used when the Spirit of the Lord is coming upon him, but there's a lot of mess going on around Samson's life. Samson goes about certain things. His mind is working in certain areas, and not all of it is good. You see, because of some of the things that he's already decided he's going to do and things that he is trying to do, taking this Philistine for a wife. Now he's finding himself wanting to even the score on everyone. He's wanting to get revenge on certain people, so to, so to speak. And the thing about seeking revenge in our own life, ultimately no one ever gets even or settles the score I think many times vengeance leads to a, just a vicious cycle of something else and something else. Romans 12, 19, can you guys get that on the screen real quickly? Romans 12, 19, 
Let's look at that. We'll be back here at, at Judges chapter 15. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is who? Mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Don't forget, God can always straighten the situation out better than you and I ever can. He can deal with that. If we just give it to Him, lay it in His hands. We're going to be wronged many times. Things are going to, people are going to do us wrong. But if we'll let the Lord take care of the problem, He'll do a much better job than we will. All right, let's pick up chapter 15, verse number 1. It came to pass within a while after in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid and he said, I will go in to my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. He's going to take a kid goat and he wants to go up there. He wants probably for her to fix it for him to eat or whatever. And he decides he's going to go up and see his wife, but his father, her father standing at the door, said, uh-uh, you ain't going in there. Her father said, I verily, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. So he arrives at his father-in-law's home in Timonah, and he's not allowed to go in and have access to the woman that he thought was his bride. But his father-in-law explains, listen, She's not going to be your bride anymore. She's been given away to someone else. I don't think you're coming back. So once again, Samson's stepping back saying, well, I'm the victim here. And because of the actions at the wedding and the things that are going wrong, so what is he about to do? He says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the situation again. Look at verse 4. Samson went, <laughs> caught 300 foxes, took firebrands, turned tail to tail, put a firebrand in the midst between two tails, and when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shucks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and the olives. The Hebrew word for foxes here is interpreted in a way that it's uh, S-U-A-L. It's also rendered as many scholars think they were jackals instead of foxes. I don't know how he caught that many fox, uh, jackals other than in studying in this, these jackals were common in that area where he lived. Uh, they are, you've seen them probably on TV before, they're vicious animals. They'll tear up any kind of food or any other animal and eat it. They are, they are about the size of a small dog or a coyote. They're scavengers. They live in burrows. And they live near where humans live. So they were in that area. And I was reading different things about it. One said that they actually would set up traps or nets that would catch a lot of these jackals. So, however, 
he was able to, to go to where he could ca- these were captured. And he, and he takes these jackals and he, uh, he pairs them up and he, he, he puts a burning torch to light between two of them and sends each of them out into these fields. And of course, as they go out into the wheat, into the corn, to the olive groves, they're ignited fire. They're running wild because of the fire, no doubt. And they're just running through, just destroying everything. Fire catches hold of everything, all of these fields and all these crops and just destroys it. So what happens when the Philistines find out? Verse 6, when the Philistines said, who had done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Temanite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up. You remember back in the previous chapter? When they talked about that riddle? They talked about if we, if, what they were going to do. They were going to burn his father's house. Look what they did. The Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. So, you know, this thing of retaliation, this thing of vengeance, it's just going back and forth. It's it's not getting no better. You know, and and it's sort of like, even today, we, we fight the devil on every hand. And until Jesus comes back to take us home, or we go by the grave and, and we're home in heaven with him, it's going to be a battle always back and forth. It's always going to be something that, we're, that we've got to deal with. But thank God we've got him on our side. And thank the Lord for his spirit that's within us to help us with these things. But here they are just, just going back and forth. The Philistines retaliate by killing Samson's former bride and her father. And why exactly did they do that? Why did they, you know, it was because of one thing in chapter 14, but now it's just something else. And so they thought that maybe they'd get another brutal response from him. We'll just keep this thing going. But Samson sees this as an attack once again on himself. So he seeks even more vengeance. And the revenge isn't described uh, in more detail than what we have in the Word of God. But I, I believe that this burning that they did, however they took it, it was vicious, it was overwhelming, it involved death, it involved destruction. And so what does he do? We find that... Uh, As we read on down in this uh, verse number 7, Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I avenge you, and after that I will cease. So Samson's saying, you know what? Y'all have have retaliated. So I'm going to retaliate. And when I finish this time, then that's going to be it. I'm not going to do anything else. So what was his retaliation? He smote them in verse 8 hip and thigh, with a great slaughter, he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. So all we, all we have is the description of how he smote them in the hip, he smoked them in the thigh, he, he took care of 
of, of hurting them. I'm sure maybe some death was involved in that as well. But nevertheless, when he finished that, he goes down to the cleft of the rock at Edom. And that was a place where he thought, I'll find some, some peace, quiet, safety. You know, it reminded me of that old song, He Hideth My Soul in the Cleft of the Rock. That old hymn that we sang every now and then. I don't know about you, but I'm glad there's a cleft in the rock in Jesus. Because all the mess that we have to follow, go through and deal with in this life, many times it's just good to run to the cleft of the rock. Just go to the Lord. And that, that song says, He covers me there with His hand. It's always safety in the Lord Jesus. And there are times when we're dealing with things that we can only get to that place where we need the Lord to minister to us and help us and get us get away from the things of the world and what they're trying to do to us and get to that place in the cleft of the rock. I believe that's kind of what Samson had on his mind. But he's not going to be safe there for very long. Verse 9, Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. So what they have done, they've come up in force. And when it says pitched in Judah, that means they're up there getting ready again for these Israelites. They're going to get ready to have another battle. They're going to do some destroying. Verse 10, And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, to bind Samson are we come up to do to him as he hath done to us. Here we go again, right? We're going to get back at him. And not only is it, is it going to cost Samson, but it's going to cost you too. We're, we're coming up against you because of what he's done. You know, doesn't that remind us many times if we get off on the wrong area in life, we let sin... Uh, being be involved in our life and we in, get involved in it, it not only costs us some things, but it could cost some people around us some things as well. Because our life is a testimony. It shouldn't be every day. When they look at you, they look at me, they need to see Jesus. They need to see the Lord in our life. That means the decisions we make, the things we decide to say and do, need to be under the blood. They need to be the right things. They need to be things that are going to bring honor and glory to God. But if they're not, well, man, I, I thought they was a sincere Christian child of God. That doesn't make us perfect. We're going we're gonna to mess up. But the thing is, we need to strive to live holy. We need to try as much as possible to let other people see Jesus in us. So here he is, and it's going to cost uh, Israel here, it's going to cost the men of Judah. And so they say, you know, to bind Samson. So verse 11, then look at this, 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom. <laughs> it took 3,000 men to go up there for get one man? I mean, they, they must have been kind of scared of him. <laughs> But they're going up there. And they go up there and they say to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? 
What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. It's always putting the blame on someone else. It's always somebody that's doing something. So we have to do something. And goes back to that scripture in Romans, don't it? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So verse 12, And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. They didn't actually go up there to kill him. They went up there probably per request of this Philistines to say, hey, you, you need to bring him unto, to us. We want to take care of him. We want to do, get this thing taken care of. So Samson said unto them, swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. So he's just saying, Y'all, you need to swear to me that you're not going to kill me. If I, if I give in to you, come with you. You're not going to kill me. And they, they spake unto him in verse 13 saying, no, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. So with Samson being the threat that he was, here this huge Philistine armies come up against Judah, prepared to attack, ready to just annihilate them, and they're also at a close place where Samson is hiding. So when asked why, the Philistines said that, well, we just want to capture him. We want to take him. And so the men of Judah agree, we'll do that. We'll turn Samson over to you. That'll keep us from being annihilated. And when they talk with Samson, uh, They probably had no idea what he was going to say. Was he going to agree with that? Was he going to go along with that? He did, as long as they don't kill him. He said, you can tie me up. You can uh, take me, capture me. So that's what they did. Now, new cords, they didn't want to take no chance of Samson breaking loose. So they, they got these new, strong, hard cord ropes and no doubt tied him not only with his hands down by his side, just, just wrapped him up with him so there's just no way that he's going to escape. And so they were going to, uh, to, to take care of that. They didn't go with one cord. They said, let's do two of them. So we'll be sure. Verse 12 says, So they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee to the Philistines, and Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me. And they spake unto him, saying, No, we won't, we won't, we won't kill you, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with the two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Now, I don't think at this point Samson knows anything about being delivered. He, he, we're not seeing Samson praying to God for anything specific. In fact, we, we're about to see the first time that Samson did pray. That's recorded. So he's just going along with the flow. 
However, I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know what? The Spirit of the Lord's come upon me before. And every time it did, I, I was able to do something great. Now, I don't know if this is going to happen again, but we'll see. Verse 14, when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. Well, here we go. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire, and his bands loosened off of his hands. So we're about to see here that something great's going to happen again. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord has come upon him. So the army of the Philistines is there. They start to cheer. They start to shout. Boy, they're, they're excited. We got this guy now, man. And suddenly, overcome with the power of the Spirit of God, he rips the ropes from his arms as if they were burnt threads. What that means. And he not only... In studying this, these ropes were like, and it says in here, burnt like burnt with fire. So they almost just melted, like snow would melt in a, in a uh, when the sun hits it. That's what these ropes did. They just melted off, and so not really miraculous as far as strength goes, because that wasn't involved. Spirit of the Lord come upon him, but these ropes are just falling off like threads. He just waved his arms. They probably just gone. But what happens after that? When he came into Lehi, they shouted. Then verse 15, And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth in his hand and took it and slew, look at that, a thousand men with it. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. Now we see when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, what happened. No human being could take a jawbone of an ass, which, which is equivalent to about the size of a hatchet, and take that and slew and, slew and kill a thousand men. So this is what... He did. He, he tears this jawbone from the carcass of a donkey. He utterly annihilates the enemy forces. And the Israelites blame Samson for what he's done to the Philistines once again. You see, every time retaliation is done by Samson, it ain't like they're standing back going, good job, Samson, all right, way to go. No, they're, they're thinking, well, you're just getting us in more trouble again. It's just going to be something else with them. So they were actually happy to hand him over to them. You know, but the thing, like I said at the beginning of the lesson, I can't stand back and say Samson was, he was a mighty man of God. He was a man after God's own heart. He was... He was somebody that we should follow all the time. I just can't say that about him. Because Samson did some, some things that wasn't good. But once again, the thing we can't argue with is the Spirit of the Lord still used him. 
Spirit of God still moved upon him. And so he was able to do a lot of things. You know, I'm reminded like the Lord Jesus when he was on this earth. He did nothing but good. He healed people. He helped people. He done. He fed people. He he ministered to people. He did everything he could good to people. But what did the world do to him? They hated him. They wanted to stone him. And they got what they wanted. Eventually, they killed him, crucified him. Of course, we know that's all was in God's plan. But you would have thought that maybe people would have come to a point at some part in in Jesus' life and said, man, y'all need to get behind this man. He's doing nothing but great things. But they wouldn't do that. But here we find that as the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, not only were his cords loosened, but he was set free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. And those who are set free are free indeed. And there's a lot of people bound, not by ropes, but they're bound by the things of the devil. I look at the news and watch what's going on. I'm thinking, the devil's sure having a heyday in this world, isn't he? He's got a hold of people's minds. He's got a hold of people's lives. And the bad things we see happening in this world today, but I'm glad that Christ can set people free from Him. You know, as a Christian, you've been set free. I've been set free. And I thank the Lord for that every day. So, we find that it came mightily upon him. Some great things took place. And so, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 24, I gave the guys that Scripture back there, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, talking about Jesus, because it was not possible that He should be holding of them. You see how the Lord showed us the example? They thought they had him when they had him in the, on the cross. They thought they had him when they had him in the grave. But he loosed those pains of death. He has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. They couldn't hold him. Christ triumphed over darkness. Now, Samson made great destruction among the Philistines by taking this jawbone and doing the things that he did. But remember this. No matter how great we think Samson was, no matter how strong we think he was, he wasn't invincible and he wasn't immortal. These things that were taking place was not the hatchet, not the jawbone, not the arms, but it was the Spirit of God that moved the arm, that used the weapon. We got to remember, Zechariah 4, 6 said, not by my might, nor by my power, but by, by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by your might, not by mine, but by His Spirit will the great things take place. And those things in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. How? Through me? Through you? No, through Christ. That does what? Gives us the strength to do those things. So, let's finish up. My time's running close here. Back at Judges chapter 15 and verse number 16, Samson said with, 
with the jawbone of an ass and heaps upon heaps that I have slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking, he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, called the place Ramathalah. That means that particular place means jawbone hill. He was afterward a thirst. And here's this prayer that we see for the first time. He called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance unto the hand of thy servant. Now I shall die for I thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. So what happened? After all that great battle, here he is going about to die because he's dehydrated. I'd be dehydrated too after killing a thousand people with a jawbone. But the thing was here, we, we've got to see it's not Samson. It's not him that we praise and think is, is such great and mighty. But we find that he was only empowered by God's Spirit to do those things. So he's so thirsty now, he thinks, I'm, I'm just going to die now. I've seen this happen over in the Word of God before, haven't you? Different things, different God's used, different prophets. And then they, God used them and moved mightily, and then all of a sudden they find them under a juniper tree saying, I'm going to die. One woman's going to come find me, Jezebel killed me. What happened to going back and thinking about, hey, wait a minute, the Lord, still he's still God. He's going to protect me. He can help me. And so he, he prayed, and the Lord graciously gave him water. God clave in verse 19, in a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout, and he had drunk. His spirit revived, came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name of the place in Kenhekor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. They love to call whatever happened in a certain place, they give it a name. But the thing here about this story is that God not only used him to protect his people once again, but he's not going to let him die. He even made water come out of that jawbone in order for have him to have something to eat. He graciously provides a word. Isn't that good about the Lord? He's so gracious. Even when we do wrong, say wrong, we can ask forgiveness. We can ask the Lord to move and help us and He's there to do it. And He was there here. There's more to Samson's story. Most of his life's not described in detail. His purpose was to begin breaking Israel free from the Philistines. That's what his purpose was. He did not accomplish their freedom in his lifetime. Those that came after him will. But the Bible tells us in the last verse, he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. So he, he had a unique role for 20 years. But that's Samson, and that's the story of the Spirit of the Lord that came mightily upon him. I pray for that. I pray the Spirit of the Lord comes mightily. Every time I get ready to teach, I ask the Spirit of the Lord to help me teach. Every time Danny teaches, I ask the Spirit of the Lord to help him teach. Help all these teachers. Help the preacher as he preaches. The musicians and the singers as they sing, I ask the Spirit of God to be upon them. Because you can't beat it when the Spirit of the Lord comes on the scene. That means we step away from the flesh and we let the Holy Spirit take over. And you, that's when it makes a difference.
Amen. So that's our second lesson on this moving of the Spirit. I hope you're enjoying these. I am as I'm studying it. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.